Today's scripture reading is going to be from Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. Please read with me the verses in red. Also, this is going to be a very special kind of reading as we will be having several different languages displayed along with me. Chegando o dia do Pentecoste, estavam todos reunidos num só lugar. De repente veio do céu um som, como de um vento muito forte, e encheu toda a casa na qual estavam assentados. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. May nakita silang tila mga dilang apoy, na hati at lumapag sa bawat isa sa kanila. Napuspos silang lahat ng banal na espiritu at nagsalita sa iba't ibang wika ayon sa kakahayang magpahayag na ipinagkaloob sa kanila ng espiritu. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 그때 예루살렘에는 세계 여러 나라에서 온 경건한 유대인들이 많이 머물고 있었다. 하늘에서 난 바람 같은 이 소리를 듣고 몰려든 군중들은 각자 자기 나라 말로 제자들이 말하는 것을 듣고 어리둥절하였다. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Nusam Parth, Med, U Elamit, Nusabiton, La Mesopatimi, La Jude, La Capados, La Pont, La Provence d'Asie, La Fuji, La Pamphili, L'Egypte, La Territoire de la Libya, Pre de Serine, Ou bien nous vivons à Rome, nous sommes juifs de naissance ou par conversion, nous venons de la Crète ou de l'Arabie, et pourtant chacun de nous. Les entendons parler dans sa propre langue des choses merveilleuses que Dieu a accomplies. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Peter was a yatsi tow, dam hay lay, taco sang doi dong yan shoot, yao tai yan was so yao, jihai yellow sat lang diana. 
你們應當明白呢件事，也應該留心聽我的話。But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Algunos de ustedes están diciendo que esos hombres están borrachos, pero la gente no se emborracha a las nueve de la mañana. Ustedes han presenciado esta mañana lo que el profeta Joel predijo. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. परमेश्वर कहता है कि अंत के दिनों में ऐसा होगा कि मैं अपना आत्मा सब मनुष्य पर उड़ेलूंगा और तुम्हारे बेटे और तुम्हारी बेटियां भविष्यवाणी करेंगी और तुम्हारे जवान दर्शन करेंगे और तुम्हारे पुरनीय स्वपन देखेंगे वरन में अपने दासों और अपनी दासियों पर भी उन दिनों में अपने आत्मा में से उड़ेलूंगा और वे भविष्यवाणी करेंगे God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Aşağıda yeryüzünde belirtiler, kan, ateş ve duman bulutları görülecek. Rabbim büyük ve görkemli günü gelmeden önce güneş kararacak, ay kan rengine dönecek. O zaman Rabbi adıyla çağıran herkes kurtulacak. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Am I on? There we go. I, I, I don't want that to end. <laughs> I think we should just keep going. Thank you for being with us this morning. And if it's your first time with us, uh, welcome to the birthday party of the church. It's Pentecost. These days um, at my house, these days at the Carpenter House, um, it's a busy place. Between the five of us on an afternoon, there could be any number of swim practices, baseball practices, trips to the gym, uh, other children over. Summer vacation uh, just means that kids might be at other friends' house or there might be extra friends at our kids' house. And so 
depending on when I walk in in the afternoon, um, it's hard to say who might be there and who isn't there and what might be going on. And so when I walk in on an afternoon, I like to call out and see if anyone will respond. And then I start looking around the house for evidence of who might be there. If I see an open peanut butter jar and breadcrumbs on the counter, then I can assume that there are children snacking someplace. If I find paintbrushes and teacups left out on a desk, then I assume that my daughter Flannery is someplace to be found. If the kitchen table is covered with craft supplies, then story is probably somewhere close. And if I trip over a skateboard or some uh, misplaced cleats, then I will look for Asher. But occasionally I arrive at the house and there isn't a sound. Uh, occasionally even I arrive at the house and it's clean and there's no sign of anyone around. No one has left any evidence. And you have to ask yourself, is someone here? Occasionally, no one is there. Not very often. Today we celebrate Pentecost. And uh, Pentecost is, as we've been learning through the, uh, through the morning, is the coming of the Holy Spirit. When Christians celebrate that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to his followers. It's been 50 days since his resurrection. It's been 50 days since we, some of us anyway, gathered in this place for an Easter celebration. And one of the last things that Jesus said to his followers in the Gospel of Luke um, is this, he says in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. So stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, this event happens. And you've got to wonder what it must have been like to be one of those followers of Jesus who's gathered in Jerusalem, right? Jesus told us to stay in the city until we're clothed with power on high. It's a little bit nebulous instructions. So maybe it's day 43 or maybe it's day 47 and you're looking at one another saying, has it already happened? What's the evidence? When will we know? How will we know if this thing that Jesus promised happened? Uh, did we miss it? Maybe Jesus has already sent his promise. Maybe we've been clothed with power. Do you feel more powerful? You know, is it time to, to go out? How will we know when it happens? What will the evidence be that Jesus has kept his promise and sent whatever this power from on high is? And then, oh man, when it happens, there's no question. Right? It's obvious. As obvious maybe as walking into the room and saying, why are there red banners everywhere? What's going on here? It's literally a blowout. Anyone who is anywhere near says something crazy is happening here. Um, and, and it turns out that this promise, uh, this thing that Jesus promised is not a thing at all, but a person. The Holy Spirit becomes present with God, with uh, Jesus's followers. And so it's a, it's a valid question, I think, for each of us to ask personally, have I encountered the Holy Spirit? I think it's a valid question uh, for each of us to ask for our families. How would we know if the Holy Spirit was present in our household and in our family? And certainly it's a valid question for us to ask as a church. 
Uh, how do we know if the Holy Spirit is thriving in our midst? We just put up red banners and say that it's true? Amen. <laughs> so whether you've celebrated dozens of Pentecosts or this is the first time you've ever heard that word, um, I want to ask, if you are looking for the Holy Spirit, what is the open peanut butter jar and the crumbs on the counter to let you know that he is present? What's the evidence that lets you know that God in the Spirit is present with you or in the place that you're at? And so this morning, three obvious evidences of the Holy Spirit from the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. The surprising celebration of Scripture, a breathtaking breakdown of barriers, and a fascinating focus on Jesus. A surprising celebration of Scripture. Full confession, this last Monday, Olivia, my wife, and I went with some friends, and apparently 3.5 million other people, to see a new Top Gun movie. Um, and I'm glad that the night before we took a little time to review the previous movie, which will make you feel old if you love it because it's 36 years old. But we watched it uh, before we went, and I was happy that we did because we went to see this new movie and found that it was, uh, the new movie was an extension of the story. It was in some ways a fulfillment of some of the themes of the previous story and certainly a there was a fascinating sort of new interpretation of some of the things that had happened, some of the, the obvious themes in a first movie, some of the characters of the first movie, and some, uh, some things that you, were just tiny details or little, little notes on the side of a first movie that became big and full in this new movie, everything down to the music. And so it would have been fun on its own, but... It was clearly intended to be a celebration of this thing that came before. And Acts chapter 2 tells us that what is happening in the midst of the apostles on the day of Pentecost was publicly obvious to anyone. You didn't have to be a Bible scholar to say something crazy is going on in this place. But So even those who would have no context uh, of what, was, what, we, what they would call the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God would have observed, and we, we hear from the Scripture that they did observe and say, what is happening here? But for anyone who was familiar with the Old Testament, with the, the, with the Hebrew Scripture, this event, if they looked around and observed, would have been a surprising celebration of the Scriptures that they knew. An extension of... Uh, themes that they would have been familiar with and a fulfillment and in some ways a fascinating new interpretation of everything in the Old Testament. The, the things that were obviously said about the Spirit of God and even some tiny or, 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 or small references to the side of here or there that were brought into a new uh, understanding and fruition in this moment. All of the ways that the Old Testament talk about the Spirit of God coming to be with people. Uh, if you were an Old Testament, if you were familiar with the scripture, you would realize that this promise that Jesus had made was a fulfillment of so much that had come before. For instance, 
Pentecost, the word itself means 50th, just means 50th. And Pentecost um, was a harvest festival that was celebrated 50 days after the Passover meal. And so uh, Deuteronomy chapter 16 talks about a feast of weeks. There's other places that the Old Testament talks about Pentecost. Uh, uh, the feast of weeks was a week of weeks after Passover. And if you do the math, seven times seven is 49, and then the next day is 50. Pentecost was a, was a harvest festival, a celebration of uh, new life, of all that God had promised. And you got to ask yourself, if you, these disciples had previously just celebrated a Passover 50 days previous. At that Passover, they sat with Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, and he reinterpreted for them the Passover meal in an incredible new way. He offered himself as the Lamb of God whose sacrifice would take away the sins of the world like a lamb had saved Israel from slavery in Egypt. He had offered his blood as an atoning sacrifice for sin. And so you got to ask yourself, would the disciples have been saying, wait, 50 days ago, Jesus offered us a fascinating celebration of Scripture over the Passover. What is going to happen on Pentecost? What will happen 50 days later. Well, in Genesis 1, if you're, if you're thinking about Old Testament scripture, the scriptures describe the beginning of creation with a, a vivid picture of the Spirit of God hovering over creation, hovering over the waters. And the, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruhah, and that word is what they also use for wind. The same is true in Greek. The Greek word pneuma means spirit. It also means wind. And so in Genesis chapter 2, we're told that the wind of God was hovering over the waters about to create new life. Ezekiel chapter 37 talks about a vision of a valley full of dry bones where God's people who have been disobedient have withered away. And the, and the, the prophet prophesies and uh, calls and says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live, where we would say, uh, he says to the Lord, come from the, come, O Numa, and, and Numa on these slain that they may live. The, the wind of God coming to bring new life. Acts chapter 2 that we read this morning says that like a mighty rushing wind uh, filled the entire house where they were sitting. And I wonder if the disciples were immediately thinking about creation. Were they immediately thinking about new life coming to dry bones? Were they thinking about old life passing away, blown away in the wind, their sin blown away to make way for a new life and forgiven freedom? In Exodus, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. He leads his people in the desert with a pillar of fire. He consumes uh, the sacrifice of Elijah by sending fire from heaven to gobble up an altar. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist said, Look, um, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who comes after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And now in Acts chapter 2, verse 3, it tells us that divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. If, if, uh, if you were paying attention to this wild scene, right, uh, 
There's fire, there's wind, there's people speaking in different languages. It's on the day of Pentecost. Uh, from a bystander's point of view, it could look like a chaotic scene, but if you were familiar with the scriptures, you would not see chaos at all. This is not random. This is a surprising celebration of all that the scriptures have said about the Spirit of God. And those obvious themes in the Old Testament, uh, and even some unexpected details that, it, that this moment makes so clear, so emphatic what is going on, and that is that God has come to dwell with humanity again. Jesus has succeeded in conquering sin and death, and he's closing the separation between the presence of God and where humanity dwells. This is the, the coming of the, of the Holy Spirit is the, the evidence that Christ has succeeded. No place where the Holy Spirit is thriving, therefore, will be a place that is flippant with Scripture, right? If the Holy Spirit is thriving in a place, it will be a place that, is a, that, it, that celebrates the Word of God and holds it up high. One of the New Testament signature marks of a church is a place where there is devotion, it says, to the, to the apostles' teaching. And so I know that there are those among us online or, uh, or visiting us for the first time. Many of us have been in a, the difficult situation of looking for a church. There are some among us who are heading out to new places at the end of this school year or the end of this uh, season in your career and will be looking for a new church. And I just say to you, when you enter a church, look for a place that is a surprising celebration of Scripture. Is it a place where the Bible is referred to in passing? There's a few verses mentioned to reinforce what's otherwise kind of a self-help message. Or does the preaching and the teaching follow and submit to Scripture? Is the presentation primarily about the personality of the preacher? Or is it primarily about the passage that's being preached? And while we're at it, let's say, is the music a celebration of Scripture? Are the prayers saturated with Scripture? Do the events of Scripture define the church's calendar and the way that they decorate the room? Or is that, uh, is that made, are those decisions made by the holidays that are being celebrated in the mall? Do you want to fan the flames of the Holy Spirit's presence in your household, in your family? Deuteronomy says, put these words, Scripture, in your heart. Teach them to your children. Talk of them when you sit. And when you walk and when you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. A place where the Holy Spirit is thriving is a place where Scripture is celebrated. And so evidence of the, of the Spirit's presence will be a surprising celebration of Scripture. And a breathtaking breakdown of barriers. Wasn't this something? To see 11 different languages spoken this morning. Thank you to those who shared Korean and Spanish and Cantonese and French and Mandarin and Portuguese and Tagalog and Hindi and Ukrainian and Turkish and English. What a celebration of what God is doing in our midst. 
Acts chapter 2 mentions at least 14 different languages that God's mighty works were proclaimed in that day. We read them together this morning. There's another list of nations in the, in the Old Testament in the scriptures. It comes in Genesis chapter 11, and it's in the story of the Tower of Babel, this moment when people had united in rebellion against God, and so God scattered people to the nations into different languages as a, as a sign of their rebellion and their idolatry. And now on Pentecost, if we're paying attention, God is putting things back together. It's an incredible day of new life and a new beginning as the Spirit of God is already beginning to undo the brokenness and the division that our sin and rebellion has caused in the world. And this breaking down of barriers, this overcoming of division only increases as you read the story of the church in the New Testament. In just a few years after Jesus' death, Jesus' followers will be called Christians for the first time in a city called Antioch. And scholars believe that they had to coin that term to identify this group of people because it was Jews and Gentiles, slave and free. All of the different uh, ways that people would be identified were invalid for this group. What do we call these people that uh, are together in spite of their socioeconomic station, in spite of their race, in spite of their historic background? So they had to come up with something and they called them Christians, followers of Jesus. In the city of Antioch, they had elders from Nigeria and Palestine and Libya and Galilee and Judea and Samaria at least. This was a surprising breakdown of barriers because of the gospel. The book of Ephesians says that Jesus' blood broke down the, broke down the walls that divided Jews and Gentiles. And we see that being demonstrated immediately in the moment of Pentecost. First, by the fact that it says that not only does fire appear, but it says divided tongues of fire uh, appeared over each person that was present there. That means that the Holy Spirit's present did, presence did not come and just rest on the Jews that were in the room. And it didn't just come and rest on the men that were in the room. It came and rested on the Gentiles as well, and it came and rested on the women as well. It's not just the disciples, but it says that the that, that, that's, that fire divided and rested on each of them that was gathered there, women and men, uh, slave and free, all were receiving the Holy Spirit. And so, and what we see happening next is not a scene of chaotic babbling and speaking in some other uh, spiritual language. That's a different passage in Scripture to tackle a different time. But this is the gospel being communicated in the heart language of each person who's there. A group that the book of Revelation will describe one day as every tribe and language and nation and tongue. This is what God was talking about when he promised Abraham that through his offspring every nation of the world would be blessed. John Calvin said that if everyone had spoken in only one tongue on that moment, if it was only Arabic that was being spoken to the Jews, then everyone would have thought that Christ was going to be confined to a small corner of Judea. But Jesus didn't come for a small corner of Judea. He came for all the world. One of the primary conflicts in the New Testament persists today, and it's that we, people, resist the idea that the gospel message was 
to be universally offered to all and not just to our group. Not just to Jews, but to Gentiles too. Not just to men, but to women too. Not just to the free, but to uh, the slave and the barbarian too. And so no place where the Holy Spirit is thriving will be a place where worldly divisions and categories are endorsed or promoted. The church is a place, scripturally, that understands categories like rebellion and sin, unrepentance and forgiveness, maybe belief and unbelief. But the Holy Spirit is constantly abolishing all of the other ways that we try to separate and categorize and justify one group of people over another. And so I would suggest that we need to be second-guessing when we find ourselves in groups of believers that look just like us all the time. You will have friendships and, peop- and, and friend groups that look like you, and that's okay. But if that's the only groups that you find yourself in, we should be double-guessing and making sure that it's just happenstance and not in some w- that, that there's not some way in which we're quenching the Spirit and reaching out to only include people that look like us or only include people that make us feel comfortable, people that speak like us or eat like us. The gospel should be helping us connect with and overcome things that divide us from others who are not from the place that we're at. And that's what the scripture says, that there should be a breathtaking breakdown of barriers where this Holy Spirit is present. And that only makes sense if this is the spirit of the triune, uh, eternal God coming to be with us. Theologian Herman Babnick says that this is the only way that makes sense if we believe in a Trinitarian God of the Bible, that the image of God is so is much too rich to be fully realized in any, he says this big word, homogeneous group of people. Only the church as a representation of all of humanity in its entirety, summed up under a single head in Christ and spread out over the whole world, even begins to tell the striking story of the image of the eternal God. And so wherever the Spirit is present, there should be a breathtaking breakdown of barriers and a fascinating focus on Jesus. I was given a a little prayer book by a woman named Carrie Christina Reeves. And I've been reading uh, this prayer that she wrote. It's three lines. God, give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. Jesus, show me the Father. This is the primary reason that the Spirit came. To show us Jesus and to give us the ability to show Jesus to the world. As much fun as it would be to worship and celebrate the Holy Spirit alone without the Father and the Son, right? We could get together on Sunday mornings and uh, we would have mysterious fires lit everywhere and then celebrate um, sort of a a spiritual uh, Google Translate and hear lots of different languages and it would be fascinating. But the point of of Pentecost wasn't that everyone spoke different languages. The point was that God had a message that he wanted everyone to hear in the language of their hearts. The language that their hearts spoke. 
And our passage ends with that message very expressly. It says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And in in case you're wondering what the Lord's name is, Peter follows up with the very next verse and he says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by hands of lawless men. God raised him, loosing the pangs of death because it was impossible for him to be held by it. Any place where the Holy Spirit is thriving will have a fascinating focus on Jesus. And my friends... That is uh, what we pray for and what we hope to do each time we gather in this place. We understand that there is preparation to be done and there's uh, scripture readers to be called and there's bands to be organized and, and all of these sorts of things. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up in our midst, if God isn't present, then what are we doing this for? If we're not, uh, if we're not preparing to present Jesus and the gospel, because in the name of anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, then what is the purpose? 